Welcome into the Tide podcast at podbean.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, the radio host of Southern Fried Sports at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa, the Talking Tide Twitter feed at Talking underscore Tide. We won't clutter your feed there. Just pretty much pod links to what we're doing right here if you give us a follow on the Twitter and, of course, you can also get us at various platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. The Talking Tide podcast uh, brought to you by Heat Pizza Bar, Southern Ale House, and, of course, North River Dental Associates. More about them a little later in the show. But we begin, Travis, with uh, a recap for the Sunday Nighter. 48-17, the Crimson Tide notches yet another one in a lengthy streak against the supposed rivals in orange, Alabama now 5-0 and on the season, uh, but it comes obviously at a very steep price with arguably the best player on the roster uh, apparently going out for the season, presumably uh, done for the career, Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, uh, in terms of explosiveness, I don't think anyone would argue with you in terms of a roster that isn't exactly short on those types. I mean, you're still talking about Devontae Smith and – uh, John Mechie emerging, um, you know, some other guys that they have maybe in the pipeline coming up here that we're going to get to know more about as a result of this injury to Jalen Waddle. But first and foremost, you just hate it for him. I mean, it was setting up to be sort of that exit year that a lot of people were anticipating for Jalen Waddle. Four straight 100-yard receiving games to start his junior season uh, the return game hadn't been as prolific simply because he hadn't had all that many opportunities. He did have a punt return against Georgia that was somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 yards that was erased by a block in the back penalty. But uh, just a fun guy to watch and certainly a very important guy to this team. And, you know, not just on offense. Uh, before we really got to see that guy, uh, it was the return aspect of his game that uh, we became very familiar with pretty quickly. So, uh, it's a it's a massive loss. Uh, at the same time, this is an Alabama team that's built in a way on offense where, you know, if any team in the country can cover for it because of how things are set up with this offense, it's it's probably Alabama, Chase. The weapons are, are still there. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, the, I think they lost an inspirational guy in that locker room, uh, lost the fastest guy they have probably, lost a guy – um, who is uh, just flat out entertaining to watch? Uh, fun to see that kid to see him do his thing out there. Uh, he, he makes defenders look kind of silly, and that makes wide receivers fun to watch. But uh, you, you know, as you noted, there are playmakers around, and, and we got a, a pretty good look at Slade Bold, and probably his first. We've seen him in spots before, uh, but we saw our first extensive look at Slade Bold, and Travis comes in for Waddle not only at receiver, but also in the punt return role. And he showed he can get open, and, and my thought on that situation is, look, that that's what matters uh, for, for Bolden. It's not – it's not a he's there's not any replacing Jalen Waddle, obviously, and Slade Bolden is not going to be able to take the top off of defenses the way Waddle did. So there so there's a big difference, obviously. But look, when you got Mechie on one side, you got Devontae Smith on the other side, the important thing for Bolden 
is can you create some space for yourself? Can you get some separation in man coverage, especially, uh, and, and and just be open for some catches? And I think he, I think he showed it. Well, I think there's some chemistry there too already with Mac Jones that showed up very quickly. First play of the game after Waddle goes out, they still came out in three wide receivers. Uh, you thought maybe. Uh, if the plan had been to come out in 11 personnel with Waddle not able to go, maybe they would have switched to, to 12 personnel and gone with two tight ends. Uh, they're dealing with an injury situation right now at that position with Carl Tucker, but they stuck with the three wide receiver set. Uh, first snap of the game, who does Mac Jones go to off RPO action? Slade Bolden. And I think back to a year ago or even two years ago, you know, before Mac Jones was this Mac Jones, he was second team Mac Jones, maybe even third team Mac Jones, if you want to go back a couple of years. So there was an opportunity for guys like Mechie and Slade Bolden to develop some of that continuity uh, with, with Jones. And, and I think it showed up pretty early in the game on Saturday. And, uh, you know, another aspect to all this, too, is that Defenses still have to continue to respect Devontae Smith. And you look at Devontae Smith this season, and it looks more like a hard hat type year for him in terms of yards per catch. He's down in that area. His catches are trending in a way in which you would expect. Uh, but the attention that he still gets when he runs a go route, Chase, and he takes coverage with him, and he provides open spaces for guys like Al Bolden, to get themselves open, it, it's it's right there in front of you. So, got to keep Devontae Smith on the field because not only is he still the go-to guy when Mac Jones really wants it and needs it, uh, he's going to continue to create space for really just about every aspect of that offense. Noteworthy, too, I thought, Travis, that quickly after Waddle gets injured, uh, we see Devontae Smith make a tough, tough catch over the middle of the field for a first down. Uh, ended up getting catching a targeting type hit on the play that wasn't even called, and I I, I felt like that's had I th I think that play says something to the offense, and I hate to use the word statement because I think that term is overused, but there couldn't have been a better way for the for that offense as a group to snap back into reality and move forward as a unit without Waddle than to have Smith make a play like that. You know, all the credit to Mac Jones for another hot start. Uh, because he did it again on Saturday afternoon, but he had some guys make some plays for him in that stretch where he completed, what was it, 10, 11 in a row to help him set the UA mark for consecutive completions previously held by Greg McElroy. That was one right out the gate. Um, Devontae made another one down inside the 10-yard line on a comeback route. Uh, that was a hell of a catch. Slay Bolton made a really nice catch over the middle of the field where he had to get up and go get it. So, you know, again, all the credit in the world to Mac. He's been great. Uh, but to do the type of things he's doing in terms of completion percentage, quarterback rating, all those things, you've got to have some guys. And Devontae Smith is certainly one of them. And so, again, with this injury to Waddle, you already knew that you didn't have the depth of playmakers, the insane amount of playmakers that you had really the two previous years, uh, maybe even the previous three, when you go back to, to 2017. Um, but you, you gotta, you gotta hope now 
that that you don't lose a Devonte Smith uh, and or a John Mechie, and even the same for Najee Harris. I mean, your big four went off against Georgia, and so now you're down to kind of a big three. Although it does look like Mechie's ready to step forward and and jump into that mix. Let's catch up on the offensive line really quickly, Travis. Probably haven't discussed them in, in a couple weeks or so. Uh, your thoughts on how that group, even with a little bit of a shuffle in the lineup with Deontay Brown, the starting guard, going out with what looks like some kind of a minor shoulder ding. So uh, a little bit of a shuffle in there. But but what did you see overall in pass protection and in terms of the running lanes that those guys were able to open up against Tennessee? Yeah, you know, it even started on, like, the game's second snap. Landon Dickerson had some helmet issues a couple of times, may have been getting some hands to the face, and he loses his helmet on the second snap, and uh, or the first snap, and then we see Chris Owens in there at center. Uh, Dickerson was back a short time later, but you're right. You lose or you decide, you make the decision to just hold Deontay Brown out after his shoulder issue there in the second quarter and you come back with Owens at center Landon Dickerson at left guard you know if there's an area where you can sort of handle that and keep it moving it's on the interior Emil Echior continues to play at a high level uh, Owens is experienced uh, you've got some really quality depth there on the inside when we talk about guys that you can't afford to lose that's more about the tackle positions when you get into Evan Neal and um, Alex Leatherwood, but I thought all in all, it was a, it was a really good performance once again. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't a 100 yard game for Najee Harris on the ground, but, uh, three more rushing touchdowns for Najee. They continue to be ultra effective and efficient when they get into goal and goal to goal situations. Right. I mean, when they get first and goal at the 10 or inside the 10, They've pretty much knocked it out of the park. I guess Najee's Here comes fumble Josh McMillan, against, by the way, in that situation. Yeah, but, but I think Najee's fumble against Ole Miss down at the one, and he, he had another one on Saturday um, down there. But that, that's, that's been about it in terms of getting them stopped once they get that opportunity down there inside the 10. Landon, you know, transfers a lot of times, as we know, Travis, don't work out. Uh, but Landon Dickerson, Landon Dickerson's turned into a pretty darn big uh, pickup as a transfer from uh, Florida State, for sure. Uh, played a lot of football at Alabama now. I can't – was that actually a grad transfer and he came with two years? Of yeah, he had two, had, had two to play. It seems like had he's two been to play. here a little long for having gotten a degree somewhere else already, doesn't it? Well, and, and this is a free year, right? So, I mean, come on back. these yeah. are guys that, yeah, Landon, come on back. You know, <laughs> Landon Dickerson, a lot of times he looks like that, that kid with the illegal birth certificate playing in the peewee <laughs> division, you know, yeah. the way he kind of manhandles folks. He did it again on Saturday on the one touchdown run by Brian Robinson. His helmet came off and he was still taking the Mike linebacker for Tennessee about three yards deep in the end zone. So. He's been very good, and, and mostly because of his versatility, but he is a massive, massive human being that can move. I mean, he's he's got good enough agility and, and footwork. So, um, you know, he, he and, and I thought Echior again. Echior and Neil on the right side did some real damage in the first half on the ground, um, but they're balanced across that front. And, and as we talked about, the, the depth is 
is a really nice luxury. When you're deep enough that you can play Kendall Randolph as many reps as you do at tight end, that tells you what type of depth you got on that offensive line. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Dickerson's uh, brings an edge on that line, too. There's no question about it. Uh, he, he, he likes flattening people at, at any opportunity. Um, defensive side of the ball, we'll jump there really quickly. Travis Malachi Moore, a strip and scoop, 28-yard touchdown. Big play for the youngster there. Nick Saban called it the best defensive game Alabama's played this year. Surprised me a little bit that he said that because they did give up uh, a couple of deep balls, maybe three deep balls, depending on how you define deep ball. Uh, and you know Nick Saban's never going to like that. But in terms of total yardage, they held Tennessee down for sure. They did. And really, when you look at Guarantano's passing yardage, I think it was 162 yards. Um, three explosive plays accounted for 113 of those 163 passing yards total for Tennessee. Brian Maurer had a one-yard completion there when he came up in mop-up time. So... I'll say this, for the inconsistency, we'll put it nicely, that Alabama currently has in its pass rush, I thought the back end was really good. You're right. They gave up three explosive plays. Two of them were – yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. Two of them where Tennessee got one of their more explosive guys matched up on uh, Daniel Wright and Jordan Battle. One of those – well, both of them. You had situations where you had Malachi Moore either trying to help more on the run on an early down or and or blitzing. And, you know, that left Jordan Battle one-on-one with Hyatt, who can run pretty good. Uh, same thing for Daniel Wright. Looked like maybe Malachi Moore was dropping into his zone, a short zone, maybe going to rob the flat. And uh, that or he just busted. Somebody busted, and, you know, Daniel Wright's going to, Going to probably lose that one to Hyatt, too. And it was a straight-up win for Josh Palmer. He's an impressive receiver for Tennessee on the outside. He had a couple touchdown catches against Georgia a few weeks ago, and then he beats Patrick Sertan. And give Guarantano a lot of credit. That was a perfectly thrown ball, too. That wasn't awful coverage from Sertan there. Really nice throw and catch for for Palmer and, and to get it from Guarantano where he did. So, again, though, when I look at the pass rush right now, what, zero sacks on Saturday? I think it was one quarterback hurry, you know, when when you factor those things into it. Um, for Tennessee, other than the three explosive plays to average 2.4 yards per pass attempt, I can't knock the secondary too much. No, no, especially as we continue to see what this pass rush is made of. It gets harder and harder to find uh, blame on the back end. I, I mean, at this point, Travis, we can say this much anyway. There's not a guy. There's not a guy on in Alabama's pass rush in any package really who demands a double team. None of them. Okay. We and, and we've seen what that can do. Like it. And sometimes it's an inside guy. Sometimes it's an edge guy who's who's drawing chips from running backs or whatever the case may be. Um, but when you have that guy who pulls two blockers. It, out of the out of the picture well it helps everybody else right and and it, it just kind of it kind of breeds success and right now i think offensive coordinators are looking at tape at alabama week after week and they're saying we're, we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of single blocking up front 
Well, if there's one guy that opposing offenses are going to plan for in the pass rush, it's 58. It's Christian Barmore. So, you know, he, he will on occasion attract some double teams, but there's not enough guys that can just beat one-on-ones. You know, there, there are one-on-ones that are going on out there. You're, you just said it, but they don't win enough of them. They don't win enough of them in the run game either. I mean, look at the run de- defense, and, and the numbers were okay Saturday. But does Alabama have an interior guy like a Quinnen Williams or a Deron Payne that if you don't double-team this guy on early downs, you have zero chance of running the football? No, they don't. And so that shows up in that aspect of it, too. And, you know, um, it's, it's, it, it, it's tough on a couple different levels because opponents more so than any other time I can remember the Nick Saban era at Alabama, they still view third and long as a run potential down. They will still run the ball at Alabama on third and eight, especially if Alabama's in its dime package. And then also, you know, you had two or three situations. You had two third and longs at Guarantano, uh, a third and long and a fourth and long that he converted with his legs on Saturday. And then Brian Maurer comes in on like a third and 13 and runs for 15 yards. You know, you got to get at some point, and we've had this discussion before about Saban's thoughts on affecting the quarterback versus sacks. That's all well and good. But at some point you have to get the quarterback on the ground short of the sticks, you know, if not for sacks, at least don't let him run for first downs. Guarantano, On a third down Saturday, he was waiting for somebody to sack him. He was looking yeah. around like, okay, which one of you guys want to dance? Right. You know, he couldn't <laughs> find a dance partner. So he ran for a first down. And you know what happens after that? Ha- after that, you know what typically happens on the very next snap? Deep ball for six. Right. And that's exactly what happened on Saturday after he converted a third and eight with his legs. After waiting to be sacked, it woke him up. You know, and so, you know, at some point, you like I said, for for this team to to win championships, there is going to be a crucial down where the quarterback for the other team must go on the ground, must go on the ground, not just you know the the pass breakups and stuff are nice. Barmore had another one on third down Saturday. At some point, as Al Davis once said, the quarterback must go down, and he must go down hard. <laughs> You know, I don't see an offense on the rest of Alabama's SEC schedule that can can. Well, if you can't get the guy this week, you have to go ahead. If you can't get KJ Costello this week, if he does start, he may not even start for Mississippi State. They they may go with Will Rogers, true freshman. But their offensive line can't protect him at all. Nope. And he is a redwood. Okay. Yep. So. It should be like a pinata at a birthday party. Target practice. Yeah, for a kid who only gets a couple whacks at one a year. It should be that this week. It should be. Talk Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly here uh, before we move forward in the podcast. We're going to start with North River Dental Associates. You know where they're at, right off of... Uh, 82, you're headed toward Northport. You dip off right there at Watermelon Road and at Fairfax Park. You'll find Dr. Jack Smalley and his outstanding staff of dental hygienists at North River 
dental associates, no matter what your dental needs might be, endodontics, dental implants, serious stuff, oral surgery, uh, dentures, you name it, they can do it. But then, you know, the teeth whitening services, the cosmetic type stuff, uh, they've got that taken care of as well. You're only going to wait a few minutes typically in the waiting room. They're going to get you in and out of there on a routine cleaning, typically in less than an hour, sometimes a lot less than an hour. I've clocked them before, Travis. I've gotten them as low as 38 mm-hmm. minutes, getting me in and out of there, including the wait. So uh, they do a quick job. You're not going to be there all morning or all afternoon, and uh, they're easy to make an appointment with. NorthRiverDentist.com will get it done online, or you can give them a call at 752 752- three five zero six again that's north river dental and with those healthy gums and teeth you should uh put them to use at southern alehouse 1530 mcfarland boulevard north in the indian hill section of tuscaloosa it's a real favorite of course of mine and chase and really the family in general so the next time you get by there for lunch or dinner be sure to check out that specials board right behind the bar there at Southern Ale House because you're likely to find at least one, probably multiple items that are going to be to your liking, whether it's a lunch special of the day, it might be that coffee rub brisket, it might be the outstanding fried chicken, country fried steak. They also have a daily side special uh, that you can pick from. Uh, just last week, it was the fried okra. I'm a, uh, I love the fried okra. It might be outstanding black-eyed peas another day. All of it is great. All of it waiting for you at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Also want to tell you about our great friends there downtown at Heat Pizza Bar. Great, great pizzas. Daily specials, nightly specials on the pies. On a Monday, you're going to be able to get those classic pepperonis for just 6 bucks each starting at 6 o'clock. On Tuesdays, it's going to be the personal favorite, the Thai chicken pizzas, for seven bucks starting at six o'clock. Two dollar on Tuesday nights there at the outstanding bar setup at Heat Pizza Bar. In fact, I love that Thai chicken pizza so much. Last Monday night, I did a takeout there at Heat Pizza Bar, and I went ahead, special or no. I had to do the Thai chicken pizza, got the classic cheese to go with it, a couple of the outstanding garden salads. You're set, man. Great, great stuff there. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Both of them outstanding. Heat Pizza Bar for sure, and as well, Southern Ale House. The Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com. Moving on, uh, the Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide uh, we typically look around uh, the league uh, on the tail end of the podcast, Travis. But this week, kind of a light schedule. Only eight SEC teams in action, obviously two of whom we've already addressed. Of the other three games, Auburn 35, Ole Miss 28. That's probably the only one I care to delve into. I don't know how much you caught of this one, Travis. But it was a wild one, as you might have expected. Kind of back and forth. Auburn pulls it out uh, by a touchdown. A bit of controversy associated with another Auburn victory. We've we've seen this before. Um, Kickoff late in the second half uh, by uh, Ole Miss appears to have uh, nicked a finger based on that video and uh, no replay. Uh, A lot of fans kind of squawking about that. But, hey, Gus gets it done in the end on the road. A, A win Gus had to have, a win Gus got. He got it. You know, and I know there are certainly comparisons drawn between the 
finish to the uh, win over Arkansas a few weeks earlier and the game in Oxford on Saturday. Uh, there were so many what ifs in that game Saturday at Vaught Hemingway Stadium. You had fake field goal attempts that went awry. You had a hundred yard kickoff return for a touchdown by Auburn that was called back. Um, fun game to watch. You, you figured it would be entertaining. You figured the Auburn run game would be very tough for Ole Miss to deal with. Hank Bigsby did get his 100 plus. I thought he'd go for 200, but it didn't happen. He did go for approximately 130. Bo Nix was very impactful, more so with his legs. And when Auburn really needed it, they went to the guy they should go 100 times out of 100 times. And that, of course, is Seth Williams. He makes the big catch and uh, proceeds to find the end zone to give Auburn the lead that it would hang on to. And so entertaining game, Lane doing what Lane's going to do. He's going to keep you watching. Uh, big loss for Auburn in the game, too, from a personnel perspective. Uh, one of the starting offensive linemen for the Tigers goes down with a knee injury. He'll be out for the remainder of the season. So uh, it, it wasn't all perfect. For Auburn, and now it, it sets up. We'll get into this later in the week. A, a, a very interesting matchup with what appears to be, maybe anyway, a resurgent LSU team after that fifty-two to twenty-four thumping of the Gamecocks of South Carolina in Baton Rouge on Saturday night. So uh, we'll have some fun getting ready for the upcoming weekend, no doubt. For sure, yes. Yeah, Seth Williams with a big day for the Tigers. Eight catches, one hundred and fifty yards, and a touchdown. Guys, explosive. Should be a stat line every week. Should be a stat line every week. It's it's phenomenal and and really, uh, you you put them you put them on a different team, and I'm not just saying saying Alabama, but put them put them on Florida's team, for instance. This guy'd be going to would be hanging two hundred plus on some people. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Bo Nix. He's from from Bryant High School right here in Tuscaloosa. You think after the Waddle injury, uh, Alabama wouldn't mind him coming home for the the second half of the regular season. Put put Seth Williams with Devontae Smith and Mechie now. I know that's, look, uh, you know, that's a little much considering what Alabama's had at the position the last three or four years, but uh, it'll look pretty good right now. Uh, Bo Nix. Another ho hum kind of day. He's he, he's a jag to me, Travis. Right, just a guy. <laughs> I still think he's really pretty good for that offense, but it's got to be basically like it was Saturday, and that's where his legs dictate what happens after. Right, if he's good with his legs, he's you know Nick Marshall, some of the guys that that uh, Gus has had, that's that's pretty much where he sort of falls into line. And he's not as dynamic as a runner as, as some guys. He's athletic enough, and uh, and he's competitive. I said this after the loss to South Carolina. There's part of me that admired the fact that he wanted to take it on there at the end of the I think he was necessarily, uh, you know, using his best football IQ in some instances, but uh, seems like he got it right. Uh, the, the following Saturday, and a lot of that has to do with giving number eighteen a chance when the game's on the line, because he'll he'll do what he did most times. Uh, what about Matt Corral on the last play of the game, Travis? Uh, 
a throw from line of scrimmage <laughs> Auburn 29, and he releases the ball at the Auburn 25. You know? Well, and it still didn't make it to the end zone. You know, I have a rule about if you're going to throw a pass from beyond the line of scrimmage, it, it's it, it's got to get to the end zone, okay? I mean, if you're going to cross the line of scrimmage and, and it's not going to count, you still at least need to make sure the ball gets into the end zone there, Matt. But, um, you know. It was uh, it it wasn't exactly a, a a clinic in terms of of passing game, but um, yeah, like we said, it was it was an enter- entertaining game. Do we see the the reps split with John Rice Plumley starting to seesaw just a bit, Travis, in the next couple I, of weeks? I, I I I don't think Plumley as a passer is what even. Blake Sims was, you know, and that's kind of the analogy that's been in play with John Rice Plumley and what Lane did with Blake Sims here. You know, Blake Sims could throw the football pretty well, you know. I don't think John Rice Plumley's to that point. And so um, I think it'll continue to be maybe more situational with Plumley, maybe even, you know, get him in the game with Corral. We've seen some of that this year, but. You know, it, it'll come down to turnovers. I mean, if Corral continues to have issues from that perspective, uh, you know, Lane may not have much of a choice than to kind of zone read it up and and go with just pretty much that style of offense with Plumley in there. With and he's got the backs to do it. I mean, Snoop Connor, Jerry and Ely uh, got a really good H type, and and Kenny Yaboa. He, he's got the personnel to run either of the offenses that, that he might need to run. Yaboa is a load downfield too. He, mm-hmm. he is, he is, uh, he's something else. Shades of Rufus French or something rumbling down the sidelines for, for, uh, Ole Miss. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the talking tide podcast. Be sure to join us for the midweeker coming up as we preview Alabama's upcoming game against Mississippi State. We'll drop that on Wednesday evening here at podbean.com. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you in a few days here on Talking Time.